Welcome to the Data Able Podcast, where Dave Mathias and Matt Jesser dive into data. Each week, they cover the culture, knowledge, and practices that successful organizations, leaders, and individuals use to get value out of data. Welcome to the Data Able Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Matt Jesser. We're continuing our Analytics on the Road series, where my podcast partner, Dave Mathias, has been traveling through Africa and Europe, meeting with fascinating data people from all walks of life. This week, he had the opportunity to sit down with Renee McGregor in Cape Town, South Africa. Renee is a part of South Africa Click, a partner reseller for Click products. Over the last couple of years, Renee has found a growing need in her country for not just technology, but for basic data education. Looking at Google Trends, you'll see that South Africa actually leads all countries in the term data literacy over the past two years. And a lot of that is thanks to Renee's efforts. Here's Dave and Renee as they meet in a coffee shop and talk about South Africa, data literacy, and what the future holds for improving analytics maturity of organizations. Today, I'm here in South Africa. I'm sitting down with Renee McGregor live, yes, in Cape Town. And so Renee is with South Africa Click. And tell us a little bit more about what you do and what's your role here at South Africa Click, Renee. Well, I've just got an exciting opportunity now to, to take over the services division as services exec. But for the last six months, I've been really focused on data literacy. Uh, the company itself has, has recognized how important data literacy is in the country for the company and for all our customers and that's why they gave it top of mind to say we need somebody in a position to find out what it is and how we can best um, help our customer get to that level of data literacy and in, in such a way also support our, our sales of our software. And it was in doing that that I got the opportunity to actually just say, well, because of my experience of consulting for 10 years already at the company, um, we know that we've developed all these wonderfully beautiful things, but do people really know how to use it? And when they use it, are they using it well? How frequently are they using it? And by being able to give it focus to the program and working with our international team as well, understanding what the process and the framework is that they set in place, we're now able to give our customers that offering of saying, how do we help you as a customer um, lift the levels of your data literacy within your organization? Yeah, that data literacy. And, and how we first got introduced is actually through Jordan Morrow. And uh, Jordan was, I was on the phone with him, and he's like, I know somebody down in uh, South Africa that you should meet when you're down there. And, and we got introduced. We had coffee a couple of weeks ago and hit it off right away. And I, I can see that passion on data literacy. And even in your new role, that's still a core thing, like you say, with South Africa Click. And, and, and while you're South Africa Click, from it sounds like you even have a broader relationship um, throughout Africa. You work with partners, so that, like this data literacy see that this is like all across Africa is, is a goal, right? Yes, yes. And so we, we, we do have some very exciting opportunities coming in Africa very soon. Mm-hmm. We, um, they understand exactly just the, not even just the language literacy levels that are low, mm-hmm. but the fact that they're willing to invest in data literacy programs as well. And so for me, that's an exciting opportunity because it's not just a matter of um, helping people in an organization, but it's about changing people's lives. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why I have such a passion for it because in Africa, just imagine the capability and the possibility of mm-hmm. what we can do by taking a program like data literacy. 
Exactly. Like, I mean, just your personal lives and, and like just everything, right? The, how you make your community better and also maybe, you know, with your business or you're with, but okay, we're saying data literacy, but people think of data literacy in sometimes different ways. How do you, how would you say your definition of data literacy without like the formal Webster's definition, but what do you look at data literacy as? So... Yes, the formal the formal um, idea behind data literacy or definition is the four key areas of can we read, can we work with, analyze, and argue with data. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we look at that as far as data. If we were to even look at it as just far as literacy, um, are people able to understand and work with what they have? And because data is like we are inundated with volumes of data now, um, we always knew that people didn't understand it completely. But now with having this title and this name to it, it's given you the, the um, opportunity to say to people, well, now that we have this, what do you understand by it? This is how we understand it. And how can we join our ideas together? Maybe that's not as clear mm-hmm. as I want to make it, but um, you have data. Do you understand it? Can you work with it? And how do you make better decisions from that data to provide insight for your business? Yeah, and you're talking that same language, what you're yes. saying, because if people are talking from different languages, using different terminology, using different understanding, or using different data, like they're going to be thinking about different problems. I mean, there's always those those things like we've had with NASA or other things where like, oops, we used a different scale of things, and all of a sudden it go crashes into Mars, as opposed <laughs> to like, whoops, that's a big whoops. But but like one of those things is like, okay, are we talking the same? language because those mistakes happen otherwise in those you know real time and and sometimes in very dramatic fashion so cool and and so what we're going to do is a little rapid fire to get things started off though a little bit more and these are the fun we're gonna like you know (laughs) there is no right answer Renee so starting off with what is your data superpower my data superpower is helping people just visualize what the idea is Excellent. That that is that is so important, right? That visualization, because I think they, a picture's worth a thousand words. What data visualization? Even more. So I, I like that. Uh, so if you were a data viz, this is a weird like dating question, right? Like if you were a data viz, what would you be and why? Oh my word! <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So if we're looking at visualization, uh-huh. my favorite visualization of all time is a scatter chart. Right. That's that's my, yeah same same. <laughs> I, that's what I think I, of myself too. That's like answering that question. That's me. Yeah, yes, and, yeah. And I preach this all the time, and I tell people that you have to understand the four quadrants of a scatter chart and mm-hmm. what capability and power it has. And um, whenever they see me, they just say, "Oh no, that's Rene, the scatter chart." Scattered. <laughs> I think it's because I'm just all scattered, so that, that that's why it fits me. But yeah, <laughs> yours is a lot better answer. <laughs> so. Uh, who is your data hero? If you're going to say, is there a data hero that you have? Well, I mean, I must say that the Jordan has been a very big influence mm-hmm. um, in just driving that passion and messaging around um, what data literacy is mm-hmm. um, to spur me on to say, well, yes, I actually have this um, backup. To, to move forward mm-hmm. and, and take this on as an idea and as a, as a program. Um, when it comes to who do I see as a data hero, well, mm-hmm. I've got um, my colleague, Adam, Adam Barry-Smith. Nice. He is a, he is a data whiz. <laughs> <laughs> you know who to go to, right? <laughs> he, he sees data and, and knows how to put that together. 
um, and, and just help it all that day to pieces relate. Who is your all-time favorite storyteller or author and why? It doesn't have to be like data storyteller, but I think one of those things around data is being a really good storyteller. So is there a certain storyteller or author that you really are mesmerized? Wow. Um, I must say, though, I, I spend a lot of time um, reflecting and spending time in, the, in uh, my Christian values. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of the, the area that I, I look at is to those authors that tell stories about um, how they see we should be living our lives. Oh, excellent. And the messaging behind that. Um, someone that tells stories for me very interestingly is always Joyce Meyer. Okay. And I love listening to her stories and the way she, she tells it, but that's got nothing to do with data. No, it doesn't need yeah. to. Like, I think people learn from good storytellers no matter what, and they can apply yeah. it to their data stories of thinking, you know, like, what makes a good story? And yeah. 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 Awesome. And I had not heard of Joyce, so thank you for the recommendation. Um, so is there a data trait or skill that you think is most undervalued today and what what is that i think that the the, the trade within data for me would be actually just seeing the pattern that runs through data mm-hmm. and that data itself doesn't necessarily have to relate to to each other mm-hmm. it's important for you to be able to get the story but people are always seeking to find data that's the same when they start looking at disparate sets of data and how they can logically fit so that you can make better and better decisions all the time, that's where I see the power. And I've seen that so much in business, that when we've taken pieces of data that was never ever important and added it to our analysis that we have, immediately the business is one step ahead, Mm -hmm. even two steps ahead of everybody else. Yeah, that's really good point because I think that's where people don't realize they're so stuck on like, I'm just going to get my sales data, I'm going to get whatever. But then you bring other things into it and you're like, wow, I'm seeing something that I didn't see before. And yeah. So when we like, like even just focusing on customer sentiment, mm-hmm. right? We, a lot of the times we, we're giving data through to, if we're looking in the retail world, you give data through um, to the company that supplies retailers. They know when they're selling it to the retailer, but they never ever get that data back and have that shared data to say, but when is my product getting sold within the retail world? Mm -hmm. And how do I understand the customer better so that I can position the right products for this customer at the right time um, and with the right deals and offers? Mm -hmm. And when we get that information back, then I clearly have insight into when customers are buying. So I've got a a company that I work for that does um, cosmetics and they supply into retail and now get the data from all the different retailers in South Africa. That data is in all different formats because each retailer gives it to them in a different format. Mm. But when they start combining that and, and tying it back to their own data, they have so much better insight. They know what's happening at each one of those retailers. They see that it's actually the pattern that they have is the same amongst customers and they know when to put better deals and better products for special days like Mother's Day or Christmas and um, also know the demographic of the the person that they're servicing. So they know, especially in South Africa with the different demographics that we have, that in this area, this type of person is going to buy more something Mm -hmm. than somewhere else. And then you can have very clear, focused deals um, that you set up for that demographic 
so insight is wonderful. Yeah, yes, <laughs> yes, I, that is that is well stated. I think this is I think this is a gap that a lot of companies and, and sometimes you're also just afraid. Like different companies are afraid to share data with others, but especially when you're in that same, uh, you know, you're working all together. I mean, if the retailer is selling more product. Uh, from the vendor, uh, the supplier, then you know there's a benefit, mutual benefit. So figuring out how you can work with uh, your your partners to really you know and sharing that data can really help uh, get more value for everyone. But we're going to uh, just tell a little bit more um, about uh, data culture and data literacy because uh, data literacy is one thing, but then there's also just like the overall data culture of organizations. And where do you, what do you think uh, other than data literacy? being a core component, how have you seen good organizations that have a good data culture versus organizations that don't have such a good good data culture? And what are those attributes? Oh, for sure, the most definite key difference is that if it's adopted well and adopted at the high levels, sea level, mm-hmm. immediately that is given the openness for the organization to adopt the same culture. Um, I've got customers where the MDs have said, I have insight into the data and immediately you get everybody else wanting to make sure that they are at that same level and they start embracing the data they start sharing data in meetings rather than sitting with just hard copy paper Mm -hmm. and they then are able to start interacting and making decisions not just based on what was prepared and being reactive but starting to be proactive all the time and so for me culture is driven from the top down okay do you think there's also a bottom-up component? Because one of the things that Matt and I talk about a lot is is that, you know having an opportunity to go top-down, but also bottom-up, and how do you bring them together? Because oftentimes just pushing things down, I mean, it will work, but sometimes it can be faster if you're trying to generate that bottom-up with that top-down so they meet in the middle as opposed to having to go as far. Have you seen examples of that where that's gone well with some of your companies or uh, that you work with, or is it mainly top-down that you're seeing more successes from? Um, just from my experience, and I agree totally with you, I think that the the top down is purely to just give the messaging to the organization that this is what we are following, this is what we are adopting, and that we we give the thumbs up to Mm -hmm. go forward. But you're right. If they aren't the bottom up as far as the champions in the organization that have started to agree and say, yes, I I see the vision, and now I'm going to have great ideas to execute it, it's not going to work. Because it's not top of mind at all times with the top level. So what we're seeing is that instead of appointing people within the organization to run the culture, you have to have people that that share the passion and see the vision and say, yes, this is something I'm willing to drive. And and I agree with you completely. It then becomes a a meet in the middle um, within the organization. So we're talking to literacy, and one of the things that when we have looked at, like Google search, mm-hmm. it's interesting because out of all the countries in the world, South Africa seems to have the highest predominance uh, percentage of searches that are actually towards data literacy than anyone else in the world, uh, which I think is very fascinating. And so when I was doing this research and knew I was coming down here, I thought that well, this is amazing. And I I had reached out to uh, obviously you know you and I had re- interacted, and then also Open Up was another organization. Why do you think data literacy is at least appears to be higher based on Google search here than in other places? I mean, maybe it's maybe it's you and getting the word out, or like why why do you think data literacy is more popular here? Um, well, I, I think that for the most part, if I if I look at the um, 
if I look at just even our customer base and the people that we interact with, that, that work with visualization and work with data, um, they seek that extra bit of knowledge and um, they can see the advantage if we use data well. And for me, I know, from my, from my own experience for years, I've always known that something needs to be done about educating people and lifting up the levels of data literacy, but it's like there's never ever been a platform for that to actually progress. Mm -hmm. And since data literacy has become an item and a topic and it's been given this, uh, and I know data literacy itself is, has been around, the word and terminology has been around for, for 20 years. Mm -hmm. uh, I know I've, re I've read papers from all the way back there, but it's because it's been started to lift within um, the world. Mm -hmm. uh, as something that's top of mind, it's, it's on top um, trend lists as to something that needs to happen. Even Gartner have it, I think it is, as the second top item of the CDO um, list um, as to why they think that business fails within the BI area. Mm -hmm. It's that we've been through that experience as a lot of the people I work with are very mature audiences as far as being able to have created the visualization, created the analysis, but has it been adopted well? And I think that for me is, has always been the key concept of how are we adopting data literacy? And back to your point of why do you think it's so popular? Mm -hmm. It's because we know that something needs to be done and finally <laughs> we see this platform and yeah. I, I believe people are saying, yes, that that is what I'm talking about and I've been preaching for 10 years. Please, <laughs> let's do something about it. So, but it, it does say, I mean, it's interesting because I think South Africa's ahead of the curve on like some, uh, you know, obviously realizing that need and it's becoming more and more prevalent. I think globally we're, we're hearing it, but it, it does seem like certain pockets are, are going a little bit faster than others so it's good to see that and being here uh, hearing that from from others so so that's that's great so what is the biggest challenge do you think for companies on data literacy and its adoption at the moment I think one of the biggest areas I've seen that has been a problem as to why they want to start adopting it is they look at priorities and they say well maybe that's just another education program and so they, they look for very tangible things to say, how do I know and how can I measure that once I've run a data literacy program, I'm going to have a success. And a lot of people believe that um, running data literacy is an on and off switch. So they believe I'm going to start this and at the end of it, whoever's gone through the program are going to have 100% data literacy mm -hmm. levels. And that's been one of the key um, education points I've had to relay back to the organization is that this is not an on and off switch. It is a program and a process that's going to lift people's levels of data literacy over time. And we can, we can um, measure progress um, in smaller chunks, but definitely that's how we should measure it. And another key factor is that they're always looking for the ROI. How do we tie what we're doing in a data literacy program directly to um, the investment that the business is given? Mm -hmm. um, and, and I personally believe that when you can um, solidify those two things and say input versus output and this is the growth that we're seeing, um, it will be adopted a whole lot faster. 
Yes, and you and I, I know we talked a lot about that when we were grabbing breakfast yes. uh, a couple weeks ago, and it, it is the challenge because there's so many variables that are always at play with organizations. So how do you really have a control study to that says, hey, this, we know when we do this data literacy training, education, you know, this whole overall, you know, top-down, bottom-up approach, you know, how does that translate into an ROI? And I think the more, you know, as more companies are adopting and, and trying to do different avenues, you know, hopefully we can get better ideas of what that true ROI is and, and it's sort of even like um, a lot of obviously the digital transformation and there's a lot of discussions on that getting back to your other point of it, it's not like okay I, I throw this much money at something and then all of a sudden it's going to last this long and then it's going to be done and I wipe my hands of it and it's like great now we're we're a digital company we're, we're a data literate company it, it is a constant evolution um, just like anything that you're trying to that's a that's a core component of, of, of your organization so I think that's also a great point that you made so one of the things is a discussion around data-informed organizations and that term data-informed or data-driven. And what do you think that means to you and what do you see, have you seen for successful organizations that have been what you might consider data-informed uh, organization? So I look at a lot of organizations coming into the business trying to help them with, with their insights into data. and. A lot of companies, even still today, are sitting at the point of still being stuck on these massive table sets of data that the information is thrown at them, but what insight do they take from it? Well, maybe it's because that for the last five or ten years I've only ever looked at um, cell F9, and if that one was read, I then action it. Mm-hmm. Um, they, don't, um, they don't actually add the value by saying, how about changing the process and let's actually start using what we have to make better decisions. Mm-hmm. They're so reliant on what we've always done and that is how I'm going to work. And I mean, this has been for years, being in BI world and, and using the click products and trying to get people to use associativity with the, with the data that they have to make better decisions and drive your decision making from your, your actions and how you're reading into data. Um, we've seen that to convince people to use data well has probably been the biggest problem. Um, they always want to do what they've been doing for the last 10, 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. And once you convince them that by adding data and using data in a much better way and in a way that you never ever thought you could, immediately they start seeing the possibility. Mm-hmm. But it's that switch. Yeah. Once you, once you get them on that switch mm-hmm. and the mindset change, they immediately start coming to you and saying, oh, but what about this and how about that? And I've got this other piece. Can we use it or can't we use it? And when you see that, it's so exciting in an, in an organization to see how they just turn around immediately mm-hmm. and say, let's add this extra piece and this extra piece and then gain the value from it. Yeah, I think of the great analogy here is is you know that four minute mile and before it was like no one's ever going to break that and as soon as it was broken, then everyone else starts breaking it and I think like you're saying is like soon as there's an ability to say hey we don't have to do what we've always done in the same process way and and that encouragement to sort of question the norm and and experiment and try new things with data and 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 change your processes around you know harnessing data and everything else, I think then organizations can really you know transform them 
themselves and keep moving forward. And, and what that end organization looks like, that has to still be fostered and grown and fed through to make sure that's successful. But yeah, definitely. It's getting past that initial barrier where it's like, I, I can do something different. Like, we're, we don't have to do what we've always done. Yeah. yeah but, but it's also, it's, it's the fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, people are so scared that if they try something new, um, they can't keep up with the operational side of mm. what they need to deliver. And sometimes, just I mean, I, just this week, I was looking at a process that someone's been doing for, for about six months. And they were able to do it because they needed to achieve a goal. But whether it's the right thing or not, is probably not the answer or, or the question. Mm-hmm. Um, but having someone come in from a fresh side and start to look at it and say, but maybe if we just spent... 10 minutes or an hour mm-hmm. rethinking the process um, and rethinking what it is that we actually want to get out of this, we can change everything that's been done. Mm-hmm. But it's the, I need to do this, I need to deliver it, the constant rat race of, of this is the process, this is the timeline, the deadline, mm-hmm. and not actually just taking a step back and looking at it with fresh eyes. That's a great point. Yes, that uh, we're all so busy, so that getting out of your own head, so to speak, because your your own goals, your own objectives, and taking that step back, and oftentimes that does require somebody else coming in with those fresh eyes. That you know, so um, so is is there some companies that you've seen that have done? Uh, have they developed teams that do a good job that around that? Have you seen any um, successful trades where you're like, you know, here's here's a company that's really done a good job of, you know, adopting that type of methodology and whether it's a, and of course, back in the 90s, right, everything was like process reengineering and everything else of, you know, we're, we're going to like just redesign everything, you know, these organizations are going to be all redesigned, you know, and, but now with data, have you seen organizations have sort of like, uh, like sort of data gorilla teams that come in and, you know, sort of work well with the business to do that sort of in and out, in and out, um, give that perspective, but they have enough domain knowledge in the business. Have you seen that much here in South Africa? Not in South Africa. Yet. I think it's still very new and, and fresh and um, people are looking, especially organizations, are looking for credibility first. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I don't think that there's been enough teams come in and say that this is what we offer as a service and we are the experts at it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially even here at SA Click, we are experts at data, but do we sell it well enough? Mm-hmm. Um, we should and people should know that we know how to work with data and we can use data well but are we using it at that right level of skill or are we just delivering the service to say let's create you another app, another app? Yes. Um, and so I do believe that there's, there are key people within South Africa that are very good at, at, at data but not as an offering. Mm-hmm. Okay, excellent. Yeah. Well, and, and I think, you know, we're all in that process at evolution. And I think whether it's the United States or South Africa that we're trying to move ahead. And so hopefully there'll be more and more examples that we'll be able to cite and look at and say, hey, this is how we get to do it. So I think in, in, in companies I've seen that they're relying on one or two people to come in and give it, give them that advice as, as on a consulting level, not actually adopt it and say, come in, look at my strategy and change the way I'm doing things because they, they're so worried about how do we maintain what's currently working operationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do know of some of some companies that have been forward thinking but um, are always hesitant as far as what is my, um, what's the backup, how do I actually protect what I have with allowing the freedom 
to do something else with the data. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I'm talking about the tool sets that we use. I mean, with ClickSense now as well, we're moving into governed self-service area where we're saying, your data is protected and we'll look after it um, and allow you the freedom to explore and, and get the, gain insights from your data. Yeah, that's that doing, you know, how much do you let people, you know, just sort of roll with the data versus that governance on top of it. How does that balance play out, do you see, in organizations? Obviously, it's different based on, you know, finished services or healthcare or other areas, depending on level of sensitivity. But do you think that the direction is more about um, putting the onus on individuals and less centralized governance and, and more like team-by-team team governance? Or what have you seen on that data governance, that data privacy angle of things? So why I love the product set and the, the levels that it allows is because you, you have the levels that you are allowing across a group of people, but you can also allow the levels individually as well. So mm-hmm. certain people within a team can have different roles. And I think that's where we're moving to role-based um, agreement on, on how tight we, we make the data mm-hmm. and what the governance is on, on, on your data. And I think when you, you set up the levels plus the roles within an organization, you then align the organization to really manage usage of data well and allowing people to play in their own sandbox and then publish what they what they are using to be to, to go throughout the organization. Yes, yes. So we were talking a little bit about data champions and we're the top down, bottom up. What have you seen, because I know when we talked a couple weeks ago, you were talking more about some of the things that you guys have done and, and, and saying, okay, organizations need to, they need to identify who those people are because if they don't have data champions or data evangelists in their organization, they don't have that consciously call it out, it's hard to be successful They can because they're not, like, say, the, the executives aren't going to be the down and dirty doing that. How How's that process been? Do you, you know, how much have you worked with organizations to help identify those data champions? Uh, tell me a little bit more about that. So we're starting a project now um, where we are going to help an organization with um, enabling them to, to run a data literacy program. Mm-hmm. And we're positioning who it is that we want to take as a first piloted group. And really within this pilot group of people that we've shared the messaging of data literacy to the organization, and they're the ones that have put up their hand and said, um, I want to get involved. I understand why it's so important. And I have that passion to now move this through the organization. Mm-hmm. And it's been quite exciting to see that it, it, um, at what level the people are that have come forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be somebody that is at management level that has been struggling for years to get um, people to just change their insights in, in their management meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, it can also just be people on the ground that are, are working with the data all the, all, the, all the time and finding success in their, in their role. But their colleagues are not doing the same thing, and they have that passion. I think passion drives it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can give it to somebody, but will they really invest in it mm-hmm. and and spend extra time to share the messaging? Probably not, or probably for the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it becomes like a job to have to do it, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to hold the the pressure of running it in the organisation. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're still at the, 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 the small phases of how do we um, actually identify these people, but what we've, 
in the majority of seen it's been people that have put up their hands and said I understand I'm an evangelist now mm-hmm. and I, I, I buy into what you are saying and I want to share this with others yeah I mean it's it's all, like you were talking before is like it's it's people that really want to they're also the people that advocate out already they're the ready the people that want to share they're the people that are like the, that passion will help drive and, and make sure that it just doesn't die six months from now because you know and, and oftentimes those people like you say is that it could be from all walks of life in your organization but supporting and empowering those people is, is sort of key and not sort of demoralizing and getting it too formulaic okay here's here's what a data evangelist or data champion is in your organization you know, um, allowing that, that freedom to, to, to grow what that is as a, as a group. But, sorry, but I also think it's really important to make sure that you have um, the, the people, I mean, we call it in, in our framework, um, we call them data dreamers and data doubters. Mm-hmm. The, the dreamers are the ones that really can see the advantage mm-hmm. of the process, but might not be the ones that are going to hold the vision. Mm-hmm. But those data doubters are so important to, to this whole process mm-hmm. because they're the ones that continuously question um, why we're using data. And so they question the, the, the program or they question the usage of data mm-hmm. and they add value. Mm-hmm. They, and yeah, they just add value to the process. So it's important also, besides having those people that have passion for, for knowing what we can do, mm-hmm. it's great to have somebody else that comes in and, and questions why you are doing it. Yes. Um, yeah, they try to poke holes in, but at the same time, it's a healthy debate. I mean, they say, like, you know, having devil's advocate in that meeting, some some companies really aim at saying, okay, who's going to be devil's advocate in this meeting? Yes. And having it as healthy, not having it as, a, like, negative, but it's like realizing that brings value to the conversation if everyone just starts nodding their head like hey this is great you don't like get very far depth wise so that's that's a great point uh so knowing that we're running a little bit long but i want people to understand more like you're a native kiptonian we've talked about cape town and south africa and i've been here now almost three weeks and and it's just been fantastic tell people a little bit more about like why south africa is awesome why cape town especially and what what makes it so special do you think Sure, that's that's such an easy question. <laughs> uh, uh, for me, people uh, have different views uh, of Cape Town, and maybe some of them say that um, the native Cape Townians are, are very much um, uh, uh, clingy to themselves and, and, and so on. But for South Africa itself, the Cape Town is such a beautiful country. For me, Cape Town, just waking up in the morning, and wherever I drive and wherever I go, I see this beautiful mountain, mm-hmm. the beautiful sights that are out there, the diverse people mm-hmm. that live here, and that you can move to different sides of Cape Town within 20 minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can you move from being on the mountain in half an hour to being 20 minutes maybe from the beach and 10 or 15 minutes from one of the wine farms. Yes. You, you really have such diverse um places to go and things to see and experiences to have and because we are um, a city that um, we have so many people coming visitors coming from overseas there's always somebody exciting to meet and learn new things from Um, and inherently the the culture that sits here in Cape Town is so diverse Mm -hmm. um, that even now at my age and being here forever, I still learn every day. Yeah, I mean, you're almost 30, so we're, you know, that, oh, uh, that's, uh, that. uh, yeah, yeah, no, so, so, like, 
One of the things though I have noticed here, and just love to get insights because I think data can really help change you know, societies. And, and, and I think, you know, obviously there is, you know, there's high unemployment in, in, in South Africa in general, and there's, there's still that sort of, that, that post-apartheid, and, uh, you know, we, you know, it's, it's the, one of those things, I went to Robben Island yesterday, and so it was great to see, you know, and obviously that's where the political prisoners were back in the day, but um, just trying to understand, like, how do you think data can help a country like South Africa, where there's so much beauty, and, and there's obviously, you know, still such, uh, you know, great industry, and such a powerhouse, and Africa, but even elevate up so that there's a broader um, level of equity across the, the the whole. I mean, Africa is becoming so important in the globe. Uh, you know, as we look decades on, it's going to have almost half the world's population. At least there's predictions. But but how, how can like data you think better play a role within that in in, in South Africa and Africa in general? I mean, data itself, just as an opportunity in in South Africa, is phenomenal. Um, especially, as you say, because of our history and getting to just understand, I think, from the, the government the government side of it, to understand what the capability and possibility is if they use data well, we have the opportunity to change lives. Mm-hmm. To, awesome. To, to change somebody who has never ever thought that they would ever have um, a different life or have the possibility of changing where they come from. Using data in the right way to know who we can help and how we can help them. Even just in schools, in tertiary education, to try and lift levels of data literacy at, the, at, at that level already, we have the power to change people's lives. That is a great question to end on, so a great answer. And if people wanted to reach out to you or to learn more about you and what South Africa Click is doing, how would they do that? Well, they can catch me on LinkedIn. Um, I've got an email that they can contact me on. Um, my Facebook page is there, but not always um, that that greatly followed by me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way. I have one. Touch it once or twice a year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I try to keep things updated on Instagram, but that's not, not always my favorite. Yeah. It's more personal. Yeah. But, um, yeah, in LinkedIn is, is a great way to, okay. to connect with me. Excellent. Well, we'll put the LinkedIn in the show notes. And do you, what, do you know what your name is on LinkedIn? Right? It should just be Renee McGregor. Renee McGregor on LinkedIn. Yeah. And then we'll, if you're willing to share your email, we'll also uh, put your email in the show notes. And really great to be with you here today. And thanks for being such a great host, like being so friendly right off. And I'm glad Jordan introduced us, Renee. Okay. Thank you, Dave. I've had uh, so much fun meeting you yeah. and just learning also a bit about your passion. Yes. And, and what you are, are seeking to do over the next year. Um, I think it's been so much fun to just hear what you're doing. Thank you. So thank Red. you. Have a great day. Thank- the Data Able Podcast is produced by Dave Mathias and Matt Jesser and made possible by Beyond the Data. At Beyond the Data, we are on a mission to help high-performing individuals successfully become champions for a more data-driven approach in their organizations. We believe that data science is only part of the equation. Getting value out of data requires building a culture that starts with you, is supported by executives, and trickles down to every facet of your organization. You can learn more about Beyond the Data and our approach at gobeyondthedata.com.